Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and you're listening to Season 3, Episode 63. As the New York Rangers have begun their second round series of the Stanley Cup playoffs against the Canes and drop Game 1 in overtime, a real heart-wrencher. They almost squeaked it out. They were two minutes and two and a half minutes away from doing so, but uh, give up a late goal, and then Ian Cole in overtime just flings a puck on net goes off Lindgren's stick and into the net and uh, no chance for Shesterkin. So yeah, a lot to talk about. Uh, I'm recording this right moments after the game has ended. And yeah, it, it stings because this looked like a game that the New York Rangers were actually going to run away with winning game one on the road. Um, so yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, I, Andy, Andy here, by the way, um, I am alone tonight. James unfortunately has some other duties to attend to, uh, but he was just texting me. He is not happy about the way this game ended. Uh, and why would you be? But I mean, I think there's a lot to sift through for this game, good and bad. Um, coming on our last podcast, when between the adulation and the jubilation, James and I were feeling as the Rangers somehow survived a game seven and a seven-round series against the Penguins in which they looked absolutely dreadful at times. We spoke about the need for this New York Rangers team to shore up defensively, a need to push more five-on-five offense, and through two periods of this game, of game one, the Rangers were able to do that. Um, Kid line looked even more dangerous at times. They were clearly the Rangers' best line all night, and not only just making chances, but looking like they had more time and space and confidence to dictate the pace of play. And yeah, I mean, they get the first goal off of a, a, a Tony D'Angelo turnover um, that Alexi Lafreniere gets a good stick on and just poison patience and waits. And then the three of them rush the net and he just slots a beautiful pass across the ice to Heedle, who on a one times it into the side of the net. Um, and there you go. The Rangers go up early and it's a shock because honestly, the forecheck of Carolina that they're so famous for didn't seem to be in place for two periods. Um, the Rangers dictated most of the play in the first. 
I would say even the second or the Canes were trying to create and they'd get their chances, but they were really kept the Rangers an excellent job, keeping them out of the slot, kept them the outside and just, yeah, they were just playing tight checking hockey and it was refreshing because we were like, wow, they actually made some adjustments. Although you have to, you knew the Canes didn't look like the hurricanes we'd seen all season. And you know, a lot has been made about the fact that the style of hockey they play, it's very hard to play that for a full you know, four round, uh, four rounds of the playoffs because it just wears on you, just constantly trying to grind teams down with a fast four check and a relentless four check. But the Rangers looked like they were going to get away with it. Heedle almost scores again; he's unable to rip, lift the puck. But Ronta makes an excellent save on it anyway. Shister can make some crazy saves when he needs to, although he doesn't have to do too much. But as the game went on, he had to make more and more saves. Um, yeah, and I mean. It gets to the third period, and you knew the Canes were going to come out house of fire, and they finally did. And lo and behold, the Rangers were on their heels and got running around a bit. And whereas before they were doing a much better job of even if they had to elevate pucks into the neutral zone just to relieve some pressure, <laughs> offensive pressure, and try to regroup, the, you know, they were having trouble keep getting pucks out, and the players of Carolina were swarming and circling and keeping pucks in, and yeah, the Rangers were. We had seen this in the last round and they were running around. Uh, but, you know, they kind of weathered the storm early in the third period. And then the kid line goes down again. And Capo Caco has a wide open net after I believe it gets put through the crease by either Heedle or uh, I don't know if it was Fox or if it was Heedle or Lafreniere. I forget, but he's got a wide open net and he just whiffs on it. And oh, man, that would have been the game. It was wide open. It was right there. And he just. He literally just whiffs on it, and he can't believe it. You can tell. He also gets a breakaway later in the game, and he just kind of flubs it too. Although it looked at first, it looked like it might have been a hook on the hands, but it was showed that it was not. It was a clean play and a good non call. The Ranger Benson was upset. And then with two minutes left, though, it looks like they're going to pull it out. And Carolina is pressing, pressing, goes down, and uh, they just kind of slice with speed Panarin, who looked again, looks just hurt and slow and just not willing to do what he wants and cop who looks just debilitated at times they just truba gets you know drifting again and keandre is too aggressive again and aho just kind of slices one through the slot he gets a puck as he cuts and he puts it on his backhand and shesterkin unbelievably makes the first stop but no one is able to get him on the the rebound and and then protect him and then it gets put in the net by aho and I knew then and there, I'm like, oh, this game's over. They're going to lose in overtime, which is a shame <laughs> because I had so much hope and from the way they were playing. But I think it just showed that as many as much as, as this strides the team seemed to make in one game, you just know that realistically they still have a long way to go. But, you know, I, I, I said this in the last podcast, it's all kind of house money to me. And just the more it looks like they can make adjustments and grow, um, and improve and and the kids can get better and dictate more play and and the terms and the and just push offense the happier i am but yeah i think we just it's just right now it's i think it's becoming incredibly evident you know lindgren again multiple times going in the locker room you can just see how many rangers are banged up here lindgren's on one foot andrew cobb can barely skate he looks like his appendix is going to burst on it and on the next odd shift he gets hit too hard uh as my cat is gonna try to knock my mic over oscar i'm trying to record thank you very much i'm just stay back there 
Yeah, I mean, Panarin, again, you could tell he's hurt. He's just not his as dynamic. He's just a little too much stick checking from him. He's not getting in with his body like he usually does and get his low center of gravity for a smaller guy. His wiriness, which he's used all year to separate pucks, he's just kind of chasing it a little bit too much. Um, so, yeah, it's upsetting. But, yeah, I you know, again, I'm trying to take the good with the bad because in a lot of ways it did seem like a step forward. At least seems like it might be. I thought it was going to be a massacre. But it, this, unless Carolina plays pedal to the metal every game for three periods from now on, which I don't think they will. I think it's it's tough. I think they'll have their moments. but. It looks like the Rangers can at least be in the mix there. Uh, you know, obviously, the the story of this game was the Rangers had chances to put it away, and they failed. And then Carolina, all they needed was one. And then, you know, then you get a lucky bounce. And Igor did was a great. He was absolutely excellent. He did everything you'd want him to do in this game. But it's just, you know, it doesn't matter. And, you know, Zibanejad, Although he, I thought he looked like he had jump at times, and he was engaging and battling. Uh, after being excellent at face-off the last two games, he got absolutely crushed in the dot by Sebastian Ajo. And yeah, it's just, again, it, I think even Ray Ferraro on ESPN was saying that you got to sometimes just, it's not even so much about scoring that shift, because as we, the uh, fancy stats and the advanced analytics community know, that sometimes the importance of face-off might be a little overblown. But it, I, it maybe not so much in the sense that if you lose in your own zone, it you can lose, but you just have to, it has to be a contested puck. You have to at least try to win the the subsequent battle after the puck gets rimmed or won back to the defenseman. It has can't be clean, and it was just a lot of clean losses. And then it's just it's hard for it. You know, you don't get as much confident when you're not getting puck touches in the opposing zone, even if you don't end up scoring on them. So, yeah. So, yeah, again, the kids look great. Uh, Keandre, again, was uh, flying around the ice body. And guys, you know, he he comes back to stop uh, um, Seth Jarvis on a rush, you know, who's a fast, speedy, and talented and skilled kid. And he Keandre just flies on the ice and literally just snuffs him out and, like, pushes him to the, the ice is what you, what you want. My cat, oh, my God, has almost pushed my mic off of my desk. He's being very... He wants attention right now, and I'm not giving to him. He's very upset. Sorry about that. Anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, the kids continue to impress and grow and take on bigger roles, which is important because if you're like, I think most Ranger fans understand that on, outside of a Cinderella situation here, this is most likely not the year they're going to contend really for making the cup final or just being a team that's really, really dangerous to 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 get there. But it's such a good sign just the way Lafreniere again looks like the Rangers best forward on the ice, just you know, turning over pucks with four check and a good stick and then his skating, which he's really learned to use his move his feet more. Kako looks so looked and listen, I right now most of Rangers social media is furious at Kako for fanning on that. They think he cost the Rangers the game. He had so many chances. He was one of the only forwards that did anything. So you know, I mean, this game was cost by the rest of the Rangers forwards not not being dangerous at all. So you can say what you want. Yes, it was there, and it sucks that he shanked it. You, you know, he got the. You don't know if he got the yips or whatever, but you, you know, it's not to say to say it's on him. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, you know, like Nino Ryder on a breakaway hit the crossbars. Vanjet hit a crossbar too. Like it's just 
yes, it was wide open and it shouldn't, he shouldn't have shanked it, but it was just in split to second shot in real time. And it was open and surprised him. He just kind of tried to guide it in and he just missed and it sucks. But, you know, it's not, I, I still mean, I defend him. I'm defending him. I don't know how James feels, but I maintain it is not Capo Caco's fault. It is not. It's uh, the fact that the rest, they can only put one goal on, you know, or he, his line was the only line that could put up a goal on Ranta on a night where it seemed like Carolina didn't really have it for two periods. So yeah, it's really painful, but again, I do think if anything, it showed that the Rangers, they might lose the series. They might get swept the series, but it, I don't think it'll be in as embarrassing of a fashion where they're literally run out of the building, you know, Although I could be wrong, uh, they have to, who knows if this the way the Carolina played in the third period just plants the seed of doubt, and the Rangers feel are getting flash you know flashbacks to the last series that and haunt and haunted and just all of a sudden get catatonic and stop moving their legs. But I think it's just important to be in the fight and be in the battle. And I even sensed it on the Rangers bench why when they were dictating most of the terms early in the game. It just whereas the, every time they would the camera would pan over the bench and do a flyby. Um, in between whistles in the last series, the Rangers kind of looked a little nervous and up and down and looking around and twitchy. Whereas now it, they went over their bench. It looked a little bit more workmanlike, like coming off for a shift, you know, shut the brain down deep, you know, thousand yard stare, wait till Turk calls your, your line again and then go out there. So I think just in that sense, you definitely sense the growth. And Again, they the Rangers won the first two periods in terms of the high danger chances. So it showed that this may be what James and I kind of theorized in the last that even though you might say it's a bad matchup for the Rangers in terms of what we thought with Pittsburgh, I think the fact that Carolina is not as heavy as a team as Pittsburgh, you know, they do have some bigger guys, but they also have some smaller guys. I think that really helped out because it seemed like at times where in sometimes with Pittsburgh's D and, and just some of their fo- big forwards coming to help out, the Rangers had a, a harder time winning their, their puck battles on the wall when they were going against guys like, you know, Aho and Natchez and uh, Katkaniemi and uh, Seth Jarvis and, and D'Angelo and, their sm- and Brett Pesci and their smaller D. It was easier for them to win those battles because their Rangers actually were bigger and more formidable in that sense. So that was good. But, you know, again, that relentless style of Carolina, they once they finally turned it on, it just it got them in the end. And again, hockey is cruel because that goal was the overtime goal was a, a fluke, you know, or not fluke, but you have to, you know, you have to put the puck on it and good things will happen. But, you know, Doom, uh, Doom uh did I already, Ian Cole, excuse me also former penguin yuck um he just kind of throws it on net and Lindgren's trying to stand in front of igor to be ready and it goes literally he tips it himself by accident into the net igor had no chance and igor just kind of tosses his stick in disgust and i don't blame him uh, i was just it just so deflating and when they were so close they were literally two minutes but that's kind of part of being a young team right is just you realize the mistakes you can make. And I think it's almost, it's not so much, you know, I'm sure that they're disgusted or disgusted. They're deflated that they lost, but they're also, I think they're almost more deflated that they were two minutes away from winning. Like they were right there and it just, 
they let it, it slipped away. And they, after they had been under siege so much that they almost played a game on their own terms and won a game on their own terms. And it just it fell apart at the last moment, it just focused at the last moment. And that's might be the final piece of the puzzle for them is that you bear down in, in the final two minutes. Whereas since they were coming from behind in all those other series, uh, or, you know, it wasn't so much, you know, maybe outside of defending the, you know, game two, they had, obviously it was tied to going into overtime in, in game one versus the pens or triple, and then it goes triple OT and they lose. So they didn't really have to bear down to defend a lead. Um, you know, game two, they kind of broke it open, so they were comfortably ahead. And then they, you know, they lose game three uh, in Pittsburgh <laughs> uh, and four. And then, so it's not like they were defending leads there. And then, so, you know, game five was kind of like the only game really where they had, they were kind of defending any sort of lead, you know? So, they just didn't have to do it so much. And this might be the final piece of the puzzle for them. So it stings. It hurts. It sucks. I'm upset because they were so close. They were literally right there. The game, they had victory there. And now they're down again. And now they're, I'm sure, second guessing their inability to maintain their structure. And it stings. And it sucks. You saw Lafreniere literally, you know, slut snapped his stick on the boards and just, you know, and on his way out, he was furious. But listen, it it proved to me there will be, even if they lose, like I said, even if they get swept, there it'll be. The Rangers are not going to totally roll over and die, and it's not. Hopefully, it will not be. It seemed to at least be promising the fact that it hopefully will not be as one sided and embarrassing as it had been. And this it'll be a great building block for future you know success with this team um and listen credit to carolina they've been in the postseason a few years in a row now they're used to this deep being deep and if on a lot of ways you kind of felt like they were going to pull a reverse rangers uh, a ranger on the team they were going to range outranger the rangers and just like yeah we slept walk but we only gave it the one goal and all right we're gonna turn it on now and that that sounds familiar then to rangers fans because yeah that's that was their whole shtick for most of the season. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in all of sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. We look onward to game two. And yeah, I think the interesting thing 
will be at it's it's just the cop Strom Panarin line had not much going, and the Criders advantage of a Toronto line had trouble again getting things going. Again, the kid line seems to be the only line that can be consistent on a game to game basis. So they're not he's not going to change it. But at what point do you maybe explore? I don't know, trying something different, putting you know cop with putting Vitrano with Strom and Panarin, or putting cop with Kreider and Zibanejad. I mean, cop had the past to Zibanejad on the game tying goal in Game Seven in the third period, in the you know the dying minutes of third the third period. So who knows? Maybe that might be something worth exploring. Because, like I said, it's it's you clearly Panarin's hurt and clearly. Cop is hurt, and two thirds of that line being hurt, and Strom is Ryan Strom, and that he's a you know could be a little bit of a one track mind, and just not committal enough sometimes in his defensive responsibilities. So yeah, it's just Turk might have to do something about that. Um, having Tyler Mott back has been great, and I thought honestly, I thought Ryan Reeves wasn't horrible this game, although again at time he gets. He tends to hem his line in a lot in the in the defensive zone because his inability to clear pucks or get pucks out or make pucks you know passes with possession is frustrating. But you know I don't know if he was the worst, but I don't. At what point do you say maybe we sit you know Revo here and get Dryden Hunt back in, who's probably fresh, right? You know have more speed because Tyler Mott has been excellent, and he's he's at times they've Turk has had no problem putting him moving him up for a shift with the Zbanejad line or, you know, one of the other lines just to give some, a guy a breather. And just cause mods and has energy and can use his speed to get to pucks first and dig pucks out and negate icings and all that fun stuff. So, but yeah, unfortunately the Rangers from a depth perspective are outmatched by the hurricanes, unfortunately, but you know, they have heart and they were in this game. You can't say they weren't, they were, they almost won it, but it really stinks. But We'll see if any adjustments are made for game two. Um, and we'll see if how the game two plays out, which will be very interesting because will Carolina have more, you know, more oomph and jump from the get go? I actually was surprised. I thought Pittsburgh seemed much more, def- you know, obviously the Rangers got their chance against Pittsburgh, but it just seemed like. Yeah, I was. I guess I was expecting, and maybe because they slept, walked through the first two periods was why. But I don't know. I just think the Rangers were able to still create against Carolina, and Carolina would then fall back into defensive structures. So you know, and that's to be expected because some of the same players I would complain about years ago in in Brendan Smith, Brady Shea, and 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 uh, you know Tony D'Angelo <laughs> are three of their defensemen. So that would totally make sense, right? But so the opportunities will be there, but uh, yeah, no, it just it's just really raw and stings right now, and I'm sure James is furious and in a bad mood. So sorry, James, wherever you're at. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, it wasn't. The, I thought they were going to embarrass themselves in game one, and that wasn't the case. They just they failed to, you know, they just missed too many chances, and you knew it was going to come back to bite them, and it does, which sucks. All right, um, let's. Any other Rangers related news? While I was, oh, I mean, a big a big thing is that. For the first time since uh, November when he got hurt, Sammy Blay skated today with the team at optional practice in a non-contact jersey, albeit. But, I mean, since tearing his ACL, he's been out since November. Um, It is, you know, it's now uh, May, so it's been quite a while. But 
And when asked about it, Gallant did not rule him out for this playoffs, but you know, he said the playoffs, he didn't say this round like he had said with Mott. Um, and I think the writing on the wall is that if he's going to come back, it, the Rangers have to survive the series, which is a tall order right now, looking the way it's looking. So that stings. But, you know, I mean, a good sign and you're happy for him just being around the team. And it just really obviously not having Goodrow right now and not having him right now really stings because the Rangers are having matchup problems right now. And you just wonder, would it be different if they had those two guys? You know. It's tough because you can only speculate. You know, it, it maybe they're just as uh, uh <laughs> they have as just as many troubles defending at times and five on five, but we sure go a long way, especially with the injuries to this team looking depleted and the fact that the fourth line, you know, Revo makes this fourth line slows molasses that and then Rooney has no offensive instincts whatsoever. So yeah. I, it's it would would be a huge boost to get him back, but he's not coming back this uh, series against the Hurricanes. And it, like I said, it's looking like a tall order for the Rangers to get out of this round. So, yeah, that's good news. But also, you know, I don't want to give too much false hope to Rangers fans. <sighs> well, I mean, other than before I end this one, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the other things going on in the, the league right now. We have the Battle of Alberta also starting tonight, which is awesome. It's actually, I think, the puck's dropping as I record this right now. That should be a very awesome series to watch. I would say that I was surprised at the lack of animosity in the Rangers-Canes game. It really wasn't that chippy of a game. You shouldn't have that problem with with uh, Calgary and Edmonton. The right, they, you know, they. Ha- I feel like I forget when the last time they met in the playoffs was, but you know, just that's just that feud and that rivalry and just having guys like uh Matthew Kachuk and Evander Kane and Darnell Nurse, you know, and just uh Nikita's Lucic and Nikita Zadorov. It's just it should be a very, very, very hard nosed series. Guys trying to take as much out of each other as they can. And so it should be a heck of a lot of fun. I can't wait to watch it as a hockey fan. Um so yeah, I'm excited for that to get started. Tampa able to down the cats last night in pretty convincing fashion. Um, you know, I think the Panthers woes and net with Bobrovsky kind of making themselves kind of apparent and just, yeah, once Tampa, Tampa looked like they were on the ropes at times versus the Leafs, but once they got through that series, it almost like this, the flip has been switched in there and just we winner mode without Braden point Kucherov, really steps up as the most dangerous player on the ice. And, you know, he just has one uh, assist on a goal where he absolutely embarrasses that glad just going full speed down the ice, just a little shimmy shake to step around him and then just threads it on a, you know, just to, uh, I forget, I forget who even put it in. Uh, maybe it was Pilat or something, but, or Belmar, I don't know. Is Belmar on Tampa or is he on, I don't know. He might, actually, he might be on the avalanche, whatever, whoever it was. Uh, just just for a tap and you know he was amazing headman and mcdonough continue to be horses that team knows how to win 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 all they do is win no matter what i don't know the rest of the lyrics of that song um so yeah i mean i'm it'll be interesting to see if if uh how the cats look in game two especially because it's being played in their barn uh 
James and I were were joking with each other how happy both teams must be. You know, they met last year, but just the fact that after traveling back and forth between Toronto and Florida, I'm sure they're thrilled to just be able to get on a Greyhound and spend a couple hours or hell, even just get on the plane and spend 30 minutes in the air and then just be down. So not have to really go far at all because they're literally just going across the state, you know, so don't have to travel very far. And, and in the playoffs, it's a big thing because traveling also take you have enough wear and tear in your body as it is. And traveling is a big part of it. So being able to sleep in their own beds all series and never in a hotel uh, is huge. So and just for in, those comforts make all the difference in the world. So in terms of just feeling comfortable and at ease and, and ready to play. So, uh, but yeah, let's that I would say, honestly, it wasn't the most the game itself wasn't the most compelling. It just kind of felt like as time went on, it just the Tampa just pulled ahead and just kept it. Yeah, they just didn't take their foot off the gas and it wasn't like high flying. It was just they got, you know, converted on chances and when they had to. And yeah, not the most exciting game, but very, very business like from Tampa. And they just you can tell why they're, you know, back to back Stanley Cup champions going for a third. Not surprised by uh the avalanche winning against the blues in ot i mean if it wasn't for bennington it wouldn't have even gotten that far but i i expect the blues to to come back i don't think as i think they weren't ready i think what they played a, a you know they, a they played an inferior team in the wild in the first round where it was more of a heavy heavy game where and they weren't i don't think they were ready for the speed at which um, the avalanche come at you not but most people aren't i think i think the avalanche probably end up buzzing everyone who's in front of them this year but i you know i think you'll see a little bit of a pushback from the blues that they didn't really get so much from nashville um in the first round just too much pride even if and hell even if they're losing it's gonna get ugly because i just know when you have guys like o'reilly and some of the other stanley cup vets on st louis they're not gonna even if they start getting embarrassed, they're going to go down swinging and they're going to make you pay for it or at least, you know, get some form of retali- whatever form of retaliation they can get. And if they can't get it in the, you know, the game sheet, they're going to get it in the corners and just in scrums and whistles and things of that nature. So, yeah, I mean, that's a continuing story and it still is a, will be a fun series to watch. Um, you know, obviously it's just the avalanche is so damn impressive. So, and again, uh, I guess maybe the silver lining of not advancing is don't have to see the Rangers get put through their buzzsaw like so many other teams have so far. Yeah. All right. Any, anything else? Oh, not, not much other than, uh, you know, I don't know if James and I ever, cause the Rangers had their own series go, going on. We didn't, never really got a chance to talk about Barry Trotz being uh, fired or let go or relieved of his duties by the New York Islanders. Um, you know, there's a lot of speculation out there about why that might be. Uh, it's. I think it's pretty clear that based on exit interviews, the younger players, your Matthew Barzell's and your Bovilliers, are just he's tough on them. He's very strict when it comes to his system. It's his way or the highway. And when you're a kid like a Matthew Barzell, who you're the most gifted player on the team, and yet you they play a style that maybe caps your offensive output at, you know, fifty points maybe. Uh, you're starting to cost yourself some money and it just kind of limits what you're good at, which is free association or freewheeling. And he wants you to play very workmanlike regiment in hockey. And that's not him. So I can understand him being like, I don't like playing in the system. Yeah, it's great to win and all that. But 
this team is now getting older and they need to embrace their youth more and the youth don't want to play that way, unfortunately. So obviously the truth is in the middle. It's like you got to have structure, overall team structure, but at the same time, you have to be able to be take chances and risks, you know, and I don't know if that's uh, Barry's style. He says, like I said, it's his way of the highway. So I guess that became apparent. There was also some contract rumors. I'm sure it was a lot of things, and we'll never find out because Lou Lamorell, you know, keeps his secrets to the grave. But they promote Lane Lambert, who was Barry's, you know, assistant. It was his right-hand man. So I'm sure he was, the players, there's familiarity there. He'll probably adjust his system. Maybe it won't be too different. Maybe it'll take, it's like a more offensive-leaning version but still similar to what Barry was coaching because, again, they, they worked together for so long, just maybe not being as rigid as, as Trotz had them be at times, which will help free them up a little bit. Maybe if they give up, they, they'll make some, yeah, we'll be a little bit less stout defensively if it means we can generate more offense and just allow some of our more uh, offensive players to play their games and be creative. So the question is, Barry Trotz, best coach in the league now in the market, uh, we know he's already interviewed with the Winnipeg Jets, which is interesting because he is from Winnipeg. He has ties there. Um, there's speculation that he eventually wants to transition to a management role, either a general manager or you know executive or whatever. So that I, we'll see if that plays uh, into it. We know he's apparently he's supposed to have an interview with Philly in the coming days, which is very interesting. And uh, the Vegas Golden Knights relieve Pete DeBoer of his head coaching duties. So he could potentially, I'm sure he's going to interview there now because they're clearly not happy about missing the playoffs. But we know if we know anything about, uh, you know, the Vegas Golden Knights ownership and, and their Kelly McCrimmon, their GM is that they like shiny new things and they pay out a premium for them. And when it doesn't work, they jettison them. So they really have to be careful because you can get a reputation real fast for being, uh, just not a reliable place to play or stay. You know, you hire DeBoer was what they Turk brings them to the Stanley cup final. They go to the playoffs the next year. Maybe don't do as well. And then he's out in what year three or in the early in year three, I forget when it was same thing with they bring on DeBoer who is their nemesis from, you know, uh, San Jose. And again, he gets what two and a half to three seasons. And then now he's out. Eh, yeah. You just got you got to be careful. You can't make it a revolving door of players and coaches. It's just you need some. There needs to be some stability there because they're you know they're clearly chase trying to chase the magic from that first cup run, and in a lot of ways, I think it's hurt them. But listen, they still have some good players. They have Eichel now. Obviously, they have Petrangelo. Uh, they have Mark Stone, who's amazing, and yeah, they have you know so they have other support guys who are maybe not superstars, but they're stars in their own right. And Pacioretty, and uh, we'll see what happens with uh, Ry- uh, Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault and, and you know, William Carlson and those type, type of guys. But interesting to see. Maybe Trot's a fit there. Uh, could be just with the doctor order, especially if you have Mar- the thought of him having Mark Stone to, to play with as a defensive forward is probably a very enticing thing for Barry. And who knows? So interesting to see where Barry ends up. Like I said, the best coach in the league. So, uh, yeah, he can, he's shown that even with a, with a, maybe a less talented roster, he can 
bring them to a conference finals and make them formidable playoff machines. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to Barry Trotz where he ends up. All right. So to summarize this podcast or summarize, excuse me, summarize, to summarize this podcast, uh, the Rangers made some improvements, almost got the job done in game one, and then just couldn't hold on for the full 60 minutes. They missed some chances that ultimately ended up biting them. And then they lose an overtime off of a, you know, just a, a unlucky goal, but you're, it kind of shows that in the playoffs, you have to be the aggressor. You have to dictate the terms and you have to put yourself in the position where the luck can break your way. And just the Rangers did not do that enough, unfortunately. So, but hey, they had a lot of luck in round one. So this, again, this is important growth. The kid line continues to be dominant um, and just be more of a factor in the games. And you're seeing their ice time rise. You're seeing them out there more and more. You're seeing Gallant trust them more and more. Unfortunately, they were on the ice when uh, the Rangers got scored on. But again, I don't know if it's necessarily their fault. It's just the Rangers overall as a team were slowly losing the plot there. And, you know, Kaka will be haunted forever about that net. But they got he he's, doesn't have too much time to sulk. And he's got to continue to play the way they're playing because the kid line is good. And they're probably one of the Rangers' few bright spots right now. So you've got to keep going. There's not enough time to sulk. You look on to game two. And, yeah, again... You just, I, I said before, this is house money for me. Just, even if you lose, just play the game the right way. Don't embarrass yourselves and just keep on growing. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the hockeypodcastnetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.